Hi, we're the ladies of LifeSight, and we're so glad you're here. We're ladies simply navigating the challenges and triumphs of this modern culture as moms, wives, sisters, and daughters. Join us each week as we discuss the raw questions and situations that we face every day from our unique perspectives. So grab your cup of coffee, tea, or beverage of choice, and let's dive into this week's episode. Hi, I'm Rebecca. Hi, I'm Maddie. Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Claire. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Ladies of LifeSight. It's our second episode, um, and I'm really glad that you're here to join us. Um, I'm Maddie. I've got a nice big cup of herbal tea that I'm sipping on, and I hope you've brought your yummy beverage along as well while you join us for this awesome conversation. Today, we're missing Claire Maogid, one of our great hosts, but we have an awesome special guest. Megan Mulherin works for us in our development department, and she's she's just amazing, you guys. I'm so excited to have her on this episode to share her thoughts um, about coronavirus, lockdowns, and um, kind of her journey of being pregnant, because that's our, uh, our focus for today's episode. So, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. As I kind of mentioned, we're going to talk about lockdowns, the COVID vaccine, and kind of vaccines in general from the perspective of being pregnant and nursing moms. Because uh, between all of us, we've been at different stages of either pregnancy or nursing during this lockdown. And I think that that brings with it its own set of challenges. Um, You know, Lisa, I think, referenced it a little bit in last week's episode, which if you didn't hear, uh, have a have a quick listen, head back to last week's episode. You can find it uh, on our episodes page at lifesitenews.com. But it's tough being a a pregnant mom or a nursing mom or postpartum, and then to have the whole entire world effectively kind of shut down and be told you can't leave your house. So it's it's a unique perspective, I think, that we really do want to share with you guys. Before we start, though, I do want to make the disclaimer, especially as we talk about vaccines and the COVID vaccine, that we're not scientists, we're not doctors, and we're not giving you any specific medical advice. What we want to do is take the information we've learned from experts, scientists, doctors, physicians, and share that with you so that you are armed to make the best decisions. And I would point you in the direction of an amazing conference that we had, I guess it's been about two weeks now, um, on coronavirus in general, the lockdowns, and the COVID vaccine. So If you want to give it a listen, we have some of the top names um, in terms of scientists, physicians, lawyers. It was really an action-packed powerhouse of a conference. So just head to lifefacts.lifesitenews.com. There will be a link in uh, the description below. So be sure to check out those videos. They really are stellar, especially if you have any questions about the vaccines and the COVID vaccine specifically. So I'll just kind of kick us off. Um, I was pregnant last year, kind of in the heat of the COVID lockdowns, kind of after after things had kind of started to settle down, my husband and I were hearing stories about how moms who tested positive for coronavirus were being separated from their kids. Um, and it was really, really important for me and for us to have that time after birth, that, that skin to skin, that one-on-one time with my child. Um, because That is so important for the development of your child, for their mental health, for the rest of their life, for their microbiome. I mean, it's the health benefits of mom and baby being together post-delivery is just, I mean, 
you can't, I can't list them all here. We'd be here all day. So that was a really big concern for me and my husband. Not, and I mean, not just those health impacts, but just having our baby taken, whisked away and put in the NICU if, heaven forbid, I had tested positive for coronavirus. You know, one of the things that we did look at is we started looking at home births, birthing centers, all these different options, just because we were petrified of not being able to hold this tiny little human being in our arms right after delivery, after nine, after a, a hard-fought nine months. It was just terrifying, and it, it caused me a lot of stress and a lot of mental anguish just trying to navigate all of that. I, I thank the Lord that things settled down before it was time for me to deliver and that they weren't separating babies from moms, at least at the hospital that I delivered at. Um, and so, you know, it did take a lot of pressure off, but there's a whole new set of pressures now, right? Now there's the COVID vaccine and some OBGYNs are really pushing it on their patients. There's talk of a second wave. There are all these crazy things that are just resurfacing. So Lisa, maybe you can, you know, you're pregnant now. Maybe you can talk a little bit about your experiences so far. Yeah, it has been very different, I would say. I mean, just from the doctor appointments going, you have to wear a mask and I can't not go to my appointments, but I, you know, even though I don't like wearing a mask or any of that, it's just, it's something that has to be done um, for my appointments. And so none of my appointments have been virtual. I know that some just regular appointments where you're not pregnant, supposedly the doctors have changed those to be virtual for most, you know, of your checkups and check-ins and all of that. But when it comes to pregnancy in Idaho, at least right now, um, your appointments are still the same schedule as they have or would have been prior to COVID. Um, but what's different is that my husband hasn't been able to come to any of these appointments with me. You can't bring anyone with you. They do a screening when you get in. Um, you know, they ask you all these questions and initially they took your temperature, but now it's like that has gone away and they don't really care. So <laughs> I don't know, you know, who has been in a hospital setting since um, in recent months, but at least where we are now, you can't wear your own mask. So you have to wear your own mask in and then they will replace it with their, you know, those disposable supposedly medical grade masks. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. Yeah. So part of me is like, what's the point of even wearing one in if they're just going to give me a new one? But the only appointment my husband has been able to go to with me was our, um, our ultrasound, our 20 week ultrasound, which was the anatomy scan where they check out, you know, everything about the baby. You know, they just look at everything at that appointment. So he was able to go to that appointment where we found out what the gender was. But my initial eight-week ultrasound, he was not able to come. Um, so that was a whole different experience for me just being by myself and hearing the heartbeat for the first time by myself, all of that. Um, so it's just been a whole different experience. But they are still unsure. So right now, you know, I'm due in June. So right now with the regulations that they have, you can have one person with you when you deliver, which you know, would be my husband, but you can't have any visitors at the hospital. So my daughters aren't going to be able to come and meet their baby brother at the hospital and they're not going to meet him until we come home. So it's just a, a different, you know, a whole different scenario than the experiences that I've had in the past. And it's not like it's detrimental, but it is different. And one thing that I have just noticed is, you know, I've, I really haven't lived out life very differently. I mean, I talked about in our last episode about how COVID affected me and my mental health. But as far as our daily lives, we just got to the point where we're like, we can't live in fear. 
Like we can't live the life that we have in fear of dying. Like I just, I can't live like that. And so we just go along our our daily lives like normal and we don't frequent businesses that require masks or anything like that. But we do go to places that don't, you know, enforce it and things like that. But we found ways to try and be as normal as we can for our kids. So it never really occurred to me that pregnant women um, right now are very, very fearful of being in crowds. They're very fearful of getting COVID essentially because there are risks with it. And I listened to the Dr. Simone Gold talk uh, over the weekend. We have it on LifeSite's Rumble channel just about how the COVID quote unquote vaccine works, but how it can affect pregnant women in the placenta if you get COVID. I am on a lot of different groups with different pregnant women who are pregnant right now with me. And many of them are terrified to go out in public, to go to the grocery store, they're terrified to do anything. And for me, I just, I can't live like that. But it, it just had never occurred to me. I don't know that being pregnant, I should be living any differently. I mean, we wash our hands, we take our own precautions of, you know, our cleaning our house and things like that of what we know is best for our family. But it's, it has been very interesting. And I don't know, Megan, if you want to weigh in on that too, of what it's been like for you being pregnant during COVID and even nursing at this point. Sure. So I was, when I was pregnant over the summer. So pretty much I found out I was pregnant right when the whole COVID thing started. Like the same day I found out I was pregnant is the same day that they just started canceling everything and shutting everything down. It was, (laughs) it was quite a day. It really was. Then I started, my first few appointments were actually over the phone when I was pregnant. And then, um, they did start having I told them, you know, this, this is silly. I, I'd really like to come into the office because I never was afraid of COVID. Um, I just, I just wasn't, I'm not afraid of getting sick and I don't like to <laughs> project that onto my children, you know, to be afraid of being sick. You do sensible things. You know, like you were saying, Lisa, of course you wash your hands. Like who you always do that. Not just when there's COVID, you always wash your hands. You always, you know, try to keep things as clean as you possibly can when you have all these children. But there is something to be said for allowing your kids to get dirty sometimes. I think we've forgotten about that a lot, how that's actually important to introduce those bacterias to your immune system. You need them. As things went on through the summer, they kind of let let, let off a little bit on being so strict with the virtual appointments. So I was able to go pretty much for all of my appointments um, to the office. But of course, you had to wear a mask. I couldn't bring anyone with me, which for me, um, with the number of children that I have, I that was okay. You know, that that was fine. I wasn't going to bring anybody with me. You know, the masks and the midwife, of course, was a mask and a shield. And it was just kind of impersonal. Like this gets to the point where it's a little impersonal. Um there's one midwife that I had had previously. She actually moved practices and to this practice that I was going to now, although she had to wear a mask, she, we had good conversations about the fact that they were useless and unnecessary. Um, but as pregnancy went on, I had to start going into the city for my appointments. And uh, well, I live in Massachusetts. So it is pretty strict here. Um, but I was going into Boston and, um, 
you have to stop and they ask you questions, you know, have you had a fever, anybody that you've come in contact with that has COVID, which seems to me a silly question because if you're saying that COVID is that, that contagious that we have to wear masks just when walking by people. And I could, sure, I could have come in contact with somebody with COVID. I'm just walking in here. I walked by 25 people. Maybe one of them have co- had COVID. I had no idea. But... <laughs> yeah, Megan, I, I want to interject, and I, and I don't want to interrupt you, but one of the things that I think is ridiculous about the fact that, oh, wear your masks, whatever. Okay, but they don't really work, and they have huge negative side effects. I mean, it's just crazy to me to think about the negative side effects that come with wearing masks when there's really no positive benefit to it. I know you mentioned the other day kind of the what it's doing to our kids. And I'd really love to have you share that because I thought that that was just I mean, it touched my heart in a crazy way. And I I don't want to interrupt or, or have you not finish your pregnancy story just while we're talking about masks. I really want to make sure we get this in because your thoughts to me were just invaluable. Now that our kids think they everybody should wear masks, what does that mean about trusting people who are wearing masks? And what kind of is going to go on behind the scenes and what people think they can get away with? Because kids now think masks are normal. Whereas before, I mean, you see somebody walking down the street with a mask on and that's terrifying. Um, even as an adult, that, that was terrifying. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about it and I don't make my kids wear masks. And I have from the beginning, we've talked about with, with my kids. I mean, I have a range of ages, but you know, we don't make them wear masks and we don't as much as possible. And we have, we've discussed how we, they don't work, but I have really been putting a lot of thought lately into how we're as a society, we're teaching children. The people that are wearing the masks are the good people. Those are the people that are safe and keeping you safe. They're wearing their masks. The people that aren't wearing their masks you should be afraid of them. And that's just upside down. You would never want your child to think that someone that has their face covered that they cannot identify in any way is someone that they should feel safe with. And I feel like it's just an opportunity for those that might not have the best of intentions to feel like they can get away with a lot more and use this. Well, everyone's wearing a mask now. So that's their cover. Like I can go, they can mm-hmm. go into a store and they can, as we've heard, even before all of this mask business of children, you know, being taken, I've talked about masks with my children. I just want to say, don't make, <laughs> tell them, watch out. There's people all over looking to take you, but just the idea yeah. that we're teaching them that those are yeah. the people we should trust. And there's such a, um, such a depersonalization of society now. I actually, I messaged um, Lisa and Maddie and Claire earlier, and this this might even be like a whole episode and conversation and, and even, you know, getting some responses from our readers. But something I noticed even today, I stopped by and got some coffee um, at the coffee shop and I realized that I struggle, like I have to be really intentional to look at a person's face now. So if they're wearing a mask, I have to like intentionally make eye contact with them. Whereas before, I'm super hyper observational. And so I would, I would assess everyone around me. You know, I I knew what their faces looked like. I knew what clothes they wore just because that's kind of 
who I am. Like that's, I, I noticed that information. And now it's just so hard to even see that. Like you just don't, you don't notice people anymore because they're just a, a masked face in the crowd. And, and that's concerning. Everywhere you look, it's just masks. Everywhere you don't see um, individuals. And I, I think that's a concern. I think everyone should, should be seriously considering that, um, you know, as they push these masks on everyone, children and, and the children to me that I see wearing masks look, I mean, their eyes just have no joy. They just look like depressed because they're covered up all the time and they can't, they just aren't interacting with their friends as they used to. And as a society, we should be concerned with pushing this, you know, covering up our identity all the time is something we should really be concerned about. I totally agree. And what I was going to add was what about, you know, as kids are developing, right? My little one is under one and my little one is at the stage where babies watch mouths. And so when we go out, all, all that my little one sees are masks. And so that's, you know, that's just one instance of a developmental milestone. But what about, you know, slightly older kids who are learning um, to read facial expressions, who are learning nonverbal communication, right? Like, that's really important. And we're completely taking that away. And we're taking away human dignity, too, because... If we're all wearing masks, if we're all the same person, there's no individuality. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Not to be masked, not to be covered up. So it's just heartbreaking to me. But I do I do want to bring it back. And I'm sorry, Megan, I, I totally derailed kind of our focus on pregnancy. But, you know, I'd love to hear or at least let you finish kind of your thoughts on being postpartum in the middle of all that's going on. You've got a lot of kids, you're nursing. Do you feel like this is impacting you? Or do you feel like because you've kind of kept this out of your family that you're doing okay with it? What What's kind of going on with you? As far as being postpartum, I I do, it is winter. So part of it is we're, you know, inside more anyway. I have struggled with this a lot. I do not go to, like, go out to the store. I just don't go because I can't handle it. Because I feel like at any, you know, around every corner, somebody's just going to pop out and start screaming at me. And I don't need that as I've got enough going on as a postpartum, you know, I might be going to store. I might have my baby with me. I don't need to be berated. Um, I, I just don't, I don't need that. And I actually went, was out the other day with all my kids and my oldest is old enough to stay with my younger ones. And my brother asked me to pick something up and I pulled up to the front of the store and I could not get out of the car. I was frozen with terror because I don't, I don't want to wear a mask. I think that it's, as I've said, useless, but I also do not want to be screamed at by a stranger that I don't even know. Um, and most of the time in my experience, it is the other customers and not actually the store, which is very interesting. So I was just kind of frozen in terror. And I think with being postpartum and all of the things that come along with that, I feel more fragile, I think is a good word, um, than I have in the past. Um, trying to 
get into the swing of things with, you know, a new baby, another, another child, and then not being able to freely go out saying, you know, I need a break. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go browse around whatever store, you know, I just want to look at some things for, you know, to decorate the house or whatever, that that is no longer even something that I can do and feel comfortable and relaxed and return home. Like, okay, I had a little break. I took a deep breath. Now I feel like there's nowhere to go. Yeah. I was going to say, I can identify with that. I think my, my husband was asking the other day if I wanted a break and I was like, yeah, I do, but where am I going to, where am I going to (laughs) go? Like, I can't go anywhere without the fear of, of dealing with that. And it's almost more emotionally taxing to think about taking a break, you know, from, from everything to go out into the real world, because I'd rather spend time you know, my own backyard with my kiddos, then deal with, with masks and, and everything else that's going on in society. Like I'd rather stay in my little bubble here. So I feel that so much, Megan. It is. And I, sometimes like I, that is honestly how I feel. And it's a war within myself because I say, no, we can't let them do this to us. And it's, it's hard to kind of muster up the the courage to stand against the oppression and kind of be ready for be ready for a fight. <laughs> like that's hard. I feel like the first couple times I went into the grocery store or um, wherever without a mask, it it did. It took a lot of courage, and I remember walking into the store being so worried. Like, okay, what are people going to think of me? What do people want to say to me? And if somebody approaches me, what am I going to say? And um, it. I mean, nobody ever said a word. I know everybody has different experiences, at least at the grocery store. And so I felt like each time that I went and didn't wear a mask, it empowered me to keep doing it because it kind of made me realize like the fear that the fear that the media and even just like the culture keeps us locked in that, oh my gosh, I'm going to get yelled at or whatever. Like that's part of the fear too, is making us feel like we can't live a normal life without, you know, the vaccine or without um, until this is all over. But the more my husband and I have, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this together. We're not wearing masks. It's given us more strength every time. And now I'm at the point where I just walk on in and I don't even realize. And I, and I don't even, I've just learned not to look at people to see if they're staring at me or anything or, but we do, we do besides the grocery store. Like, you know, if we go to like a play place or something, every state's different, but there are some play places here that are open. And I always just, we look online at their COVID policy before we decide to go. And if they are very strict on masks, we just, we won't go there. But some will say, you know, by county ordinance, masks are required. But if you have a medical condition, masks are not required. And if you aren't wearing a mask, we will assume that you have a medical condition and we you won't be approached. So I'm like, done, we're going there. Um, so we just, <laughs> we just have learned like to, to kind of you know, knowledge is power and I'm not going to give my money to places if I'm choosing to go there, you know, besides the grocery store. Um, but I'm not going to, you know, give my money to places that are going to enforce it. But that's something that I found is just the, the more that I go without a mask, the more empowered I feel. And um, so I just want to encourage, you know, it is hard. It really is, especially in different states. Everybody has a different culture in every state they're in. Um, so Megan in Massachusetts, it could be a lot harder than where I live right now to go without a mask. But 
at least where I am, um, slowly, slowly, we've just found it's the more we don't cave, the more strengthened we feel. When I was still pregnant, um, obviously it was not out yet. I had my baby in the fall in November. So there was no vaccine yet, thankfully, <laughs> because I that would have been another battle, I'm sure. I would say that for anyone that is pregnant, again, you know, we're not doctors, but the studies have not been done on women that are pregnant. So um, that would make me leery of it. They don't know the long-term effects. But as far as my family goes, I definitely do not plan on getting it for anyone. I mean, my kids at this point uh, are all too young. I know they're starting to study, what is it, five to 16-year-olds or five to 12-year-olds. But the, my concern is definitely for my husband, if he has to, if work is going to start requiring that he gets the vaccine, that's something that we'll have to think about, which again, it's a whole, if you think about all of these things, he, he needs to work. He can't just say, oh, no, no big deal. I just won't go to work. Obviously, that's not going to, to be possible. So a concern that I have is will employers start requiring their employees to get the vaccine. The law says, I'm sure the law says in federally, I know in different states, it says employers cannot force employees to get the vaccine. I don't know if that's the federal law as well, but I do think about that possibility. Because in Massachusetts, you guys don't have very many exemptions, do you? Like, Religious exemption doesn't exist in Massachusetts, does it? It does, yeah. They took away the philosophy, maybe? The medical exemption exists, but is very hard to get. So One part of it that kind of relieved me, um, and, and who knows? I mean, the federal government could come up with some loophole, but I talked to an executive within an airline um, company. I'm not going to mention names or companies specifically, but as I was talking to him, I asked him this question. I said, could airlines, you know, could businesses get to the point where they say in order to frequent our business, in order to fly on our airplane, you have to have the COVID vaccine. And he said, no, simply because, and even for employees, and his reasoning is because Pfizer, Moderna, none of them are liable for any kind of vaccine injury, right? So if a business requires its employees or customers to receive the vaccine, then the business is now liable. And that's a huge liability issue for the business or the company. Um, And so he said, if their employee volunteers to get the COVID vaccine right now, because it's available, you know, if you volunteer yourself, if you are, you know, in a company that has it available right now, Um, But he said if an employee even uh, volunteers to get it, they have to take 72 72 hours, like if a pilot or a flight attendant, they have to take 72 hours, be grounded from the air because they don't, you know, the initial effects of it or anything like that. And he said, we can't even pay for their sick time when they're grounded for 72 hours, because if we pay for their sick time or vacation time, then we could also be held liable, even though they volunteered to get it. So there's a whole legal legal side of it that that gave me a little bit of peace of mind. Um, and I talked to my husband because he's a first responder. And right now it's available voluntarily for first responders. And my husband, you know, he's not going to get it. Um, but he said that's the same reason that they've been given at their job is they cannot require it as, 
you know, the organization and the department because then they would be held liable. So it puts the liability on the business and nobody's going to touch that with a 10 foot pole at the moment. Unless my, my only thought is if on the federal level, the government suddenly mandates it for everyone, then, I mean, it already is really hard to hold the government liable for anything. So that's the loophole I could see is if the government suddenly required it on the federal level, then the liability comes off of the business and gets put on the government. But how do you even hold the government accountable? But at least we know right now as it stands, businesses can't require their employees. That made me feel a little bit better. Um, but after mass yesterday, I was talking to a friend and she watched a video. She couldn't remember the name of the doctor. But because the vaccine has been approved um, for emergency use, she said at least for two years, for some reason, there's something in writing in that emergency use passage that means they cannot inf uh, make it mandatory. And I'm not sure why that is or, you know, I haven't done the research on it, but she made that point And I thought, OK, we might be in the clear for a little bit longer. Yeah, I did see that as well, that they can't require it under emergency use. So. Um, that is that is true. I just I do feel sometimes like recently with with all of this that all of these things that have been true before are no longer true for whatever reason. They've just been ignored and tossed aside. You know, when it comes to talk about the science of things and the vaccine and the number of years it usually takes to to test a vaccine and make sure it's it's safe and all of those things, you've kind of been those have been tossed aside and changing the definition of a herd immunity, that definition has been tossed aside. And as far as the vaccine goes on a whole, I, I would say if any vaccine that they're still telling you, you need to still wear a mask and social distance and, and all of these things that they're kind of holding over our heads as well, we're going to have to keep doing these things until we can get COVID under control and the vaccine is going to help us do that. So everybody needs to get the vaccine, except that you still have to do all of those things. All, you have to still take all of those safety measures of masking and social distancing. I don't know why anyone would think that the vaccine then actually works. I, <laughs> That's because it's not a vaccine. It's a, it's a shot. I mean, let's be very clear. And I know that we're all calling it a vaccine so that people understand you know, what we're referencing, but we all agree, this is not a vaccine in the standard form of a vaccine, right? And, you know, there's a lot of controversy I know about vaccines in general, but the way a general vaccine works is you, you know, it's either a dead or an alive um, form of the bug that they're trying to vaccinate you for, and it gets injected into you in a small dose so your immune system can respond to it. That's not what this, this I'm going to call it a shot, the COVID shot is. It's not that at all. It's an injection of something completely different. I have my degree in biochemistry, so I understand a lot of that background, but it's not explained anywhere to people simply. I think the best explanation I saw was in our conference. That's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah, I was getting ready to say the best best was Tenpenny, Dr. Tenpenny being able to share that. It was so good. Not only was her explanation great, but what's really petrifying, Lisa, you know, you talk about the government being responsible. Well, a lot of the, the I shouldn't actually say a lot, but because there are a lot of deaths that are happening post-vaccine, there are a lot of um, really odd conditions that are showing up post-vaccine. But what's even more concerning are those long-term effects. 
that really we may not know and we may not be able to trace back to the vaccine and even though all of a sudden 80% of the population has you know developed some really rare form of cancer well it's going to be really tough to pin onto the government that that's their fault from the vaccine not because it's not true just because oh it's been so long you can't show you know definitive causality you know you have families that will take their loved one to the emergency room and and they're having some either a stroke or a heart attack or whatever the case may be and they tell them when they get there you know they just had the covid vaccine they were perfectly fine and they've never had any problems and they had the covid well i'll call it a shot also because you're right it's not a vaccine but they just had the COVID shot, you know, yesterday or whatever the case may be. And they're always told right off the bat, oh, it probably isn't connected. And that, you know, the families know, they know that something isn't right. Something's not right about this, but they're dismissed. It couldn't possibly be connected. And I think that it's really hard to hear these families I, there are a couple pages that I belong to follow kind of following this. It's hard. It's hard because they're very active, which is sad to see all of these people that are being harmed by the, by this shot. But that when they go to the hospital with their loved one looking for help and they're just told, Oh, there's absolutely no connection. We know that without any, like, without even thinking about it, there's no, that's their standard answer. And I think it's going to obviously do a big disservice to everyone. And it's so not needed. I mean, the vaccine with the the survivability numbers that the CDC has given, I mean, for ages 20 to 50, the CDC says that your survival rate's 99.98%. And so why would we be getting this shot when it's probably going to do more harm than good on completely healthy people? I mean, in Dr. Simone Gold's talk, she she discussed the numbers in other countries and says she said in Africa, first world or uh, third world country, right, that doesn't have any mass social distancing. They don't have the, you know, the ability to do those things like we do here. And because they have access to hydroxychloroquine and other meds that they've used for over 60 years for treating a variety of things, um, their infection rate is less than 1% of what the U.S. is. And they have no social distancing, no masks, nothing. And so none of this seems necessary. And yet we're being pushed on this by propaganda, by, you know, the government, um, you know, getting inside people's heads with fear, all of it. And yet um, we as moms and wives are trying to figure out how do we navigate this for our families? We're using our critical thinking skills and we're saying, no, we don't, we don't need this. We're completely healthy people. And Death is part of life, and that's just how we view it. This world is not our long-term home. We weren't made and created for this earth. We were created for heaven. And so that, I think, is part of what we have to teach our kids and our families. Um, And, yeah, it's just insane. We, LifeSite, just published a piece 
uh, late last week from an anonymous priest that we had actually a whole conversation with a lot of the ladies of LifeSite about it. And I'll just pull this um, this one quote that we talked about specifically. He said, quote, God has designed our immune systems in an excellent manner, making sure that our bodies are properly nourished with vitamins and minerals, strengthens the immune system to fight off contagions. If despite doing what is reasonable to maintain a healthy immune system and to use the therapeutic inventions that are not abortion tainted and we get sick and die anyway, that is part of life. Many people died at a young or old age while Jesus walked the earth and he allowed it nonetheless. Physical life is not the ultimate good to preserve at all costs. The grace and love of God and the salvation of souls is the supreme good to preserve at all costs and for which we must sacrifice even our lives in order to maintain intact through faithful observance of all of God's laws, which includes refusing to accept abortion-tainted products. Megan had brought up kind of after while we were talking about this, um, she had a really great kind of conversation um, about the overarching agenda behind the vaccine, these COVID mandates and what they're teaching our children. Um, And I think this goes along with what you just said, Lisa. Her quote um, in our kind of conversation was, the powers that be, the mainstream media, they're just guilting people into vaccinating kids by saying, you wouldn't want them to get sick, would you? But I say, well, getting sick is part of life, as is death. And I don't want to raise hypochondriacs who are afraid of getting sick, end quote. And I just, I think those are really wise words, Megan, um, and just some that that goes right along with what Lisa was just saying as well. This is something that that is part of life, getting sick. I think you you talked about it too, Megan, like this is all part of life and it has never been kind of God's goal for us to, like there's no way for us to avoid, <laughs> avoid sickness and death. That is, that's our life here on earth. It's the curse of the fall and is part of it. And during those sicknesses and experiences, that is when we grow closer to our God and King. So I think there's something to be said with all of that and just allowing this to happen because there's there's actually good that comes out of it as well instead of just being so afraid of sickness that we will go to whatever length we have to in order to avoid it. Not just as far as vaccines are concerned, I, that is then my that is my feeling that we can't keep ourselves from getting sick. As you said, we can't keep ourselves from dying. I mean, God has a plan for all of us. He already knows when we will die and there's nothing we can do about that. I don't, if I go to the doctor and they say, well, you really should vaccinate your kids because, you know, they can't get sick. I truly do mean, I'm not trying to be heartless when I say, well, they're going to get sick. That's okay. I want them to know that that's okay. Because if, if you're telling them that it's not okay to be sick, then some children may get very upset if they do get sick. They'll say, Oh gosh, there's, there's something yeah. wrong. I'm sick. I'm really scared. What's going to happen? I shouldn't be sick. And they can't, they cannot grow up that way. And I would say even outside of vaccines. I know we're kind of focusing on COVID and the vaccines, but even in my life with things that have happened with my kids that 
I haven't had control over, I'm okay with it because what God planned, you know, I, I've had car accidents with my one son and another incident with my toddler. And um, I have another daughter that has really bad skin issues and all of these things. I, I'm not upset. I'm not going to be angry with God. These are happening for a reason. And it does in suffering bring us closer to God. And, and I think my kids have learned that this isn't anyone, none of these things are anyone's fault. And um, we shouldn't be angry about it. And it's part of life. Suffering is part of life. And we can't get rid of it. In James James 1 in the Bible, you know, it says, my brother, encounter all joy when you face various trials. I mean, that's the Christian mindset. Like we recognize that we're going to face trials, but we count it joy because you're right, Megan, it does draw us closer to God and strengthen our faith. I just wanted to say that I always have admired uh, watching Megan. I've known her since obviously since I started at, at LifeSite almost four years ago, and just a lot has happened in everyone's lives. But I've I've always admired and, and just appreciated Megan's outlook on life um, and the wise words that she shares. So I just I'm so thankful and honored that we get to have Megan in our lives. So I totally agree. And I'm so excited that we got to have you on Megan. Thank you. It was fun. I mean, we could have, got, I wish it didn't have to end so soon. I know we have to keep our time, but I mean, maybe we can do it again. We will definitely do it again because this was just an awesome conversation. I, I do. I feel like we could just talk for hours and hours just on, on vaccines and COVID alone, not to mention all of the other topics that, you know, we would love to share with with all of our listeners. But like I said, I have to be the main teacher and, uh, and call an end to recess for the day. Um, so I want to thank everybody who tuned into today's episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Um, I, I also hope that you kind of gleaned some strength and inspiration from this episode. I feel that it inspired you to make the right decisions in your life to, to stop kind of living in fear and also to realize that you're not alone right? They've locked us into our homes or they, they try at least at the beginning, but we're not alone. We're never alone, right? Christ is always with us, but there's also a huge army of other people out there who we may be the less vocal. I won't call us the silent minority, but we may be the less vocal minority, but we're out there. So please, please, you know, keep that in mind. Take that as some inspiration as you go into next week. Um, and if you want to make sure you don't miss the next episode with Megan, make sure you subscribe to our email list so that you can be alerted every time a new episode comes out. You can also subscribe to this podcast wherever on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you want to reach out to us, if you've got questions, comments, a topic you want to hear about or a guest you want to recommend, go ahead and email us at ladies at lifesitenews.com. And just because I'm not always the best at spelling, I'm going to spell that. Ladies, L-A-D-I-E-S at lifesitenews.com. It'll also be linked in the description. Uh, next week, we are hoping to have uh, Claire Cretien on to talk more about vaccines and aborted fetal cells and vaccines. So stay tuned for that as you get to meet another lady of LifeSite. So have an awesome week and we cannot wait to see you next week. Ta-ta for now. Bye. Bye.